Welcome to the Queer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Elise, and each week I'll be talking to a queer person about their experiences in fitness and sports. This week I talked to AJ Bryant, a trans powerlifter at Penn State. Thank you all so much for listening to the Queer Fitness Podcast in 2019. There are new podcast episodes every Tuesday. For more information and updates, follow the Queer Fitness Podcast on Instagram at Queer Fitness Pod. Could you introduce yourself, uh, your name, your pronouns, your queer or gender identity, and any other hobbies or words to describe you? Yep. So I'm AJ Bryant. I use he, him pronouns. I identify as a transgender man. And one of the things I love to do is powerlifting. That's um, my biggest thing. And just helping people. I'm looking into a career in sort of medical field or physical therapy. And you're a junior in college, right? Yes, I am a junior in college. <laughs> and, and you're studying? Yeah, so I'm studying kinesiology. You are currently doing powerlifting. Can you talk about what your uh, fall semester has been like powerlifting and what your plan is maybe for the spring semester or sort of where you're at now, what that looks like? <laughs> Yeah, so as far as powerlifting, I like to give like a little snippet of why I even joined. Sure. Um, just so it all makes sense. So growing up, you know, my dad was that coach dad, the guy who coached every single team you had, um, coach you at dinner, basically everything. <laughs> so I remember when I was five, I was started playing soccer, and the next thing you know, it was just soccer basketball and softball it was like a triathlete by like first grade like I was that kid and it always was like race or gender was always an issue given that I went to a predominantly white school and then going to Penn State where I go to school um I powerlifted there and I just knew that there was just a family they didn't see your gender necessarily they didn't see the race they didn't really see anything they just saw if you can put the dedication and work into it, you know, that's all that matters. And knowing that from day one has impacted, you know, with the USAPL ban and just how my team has reacted to that, given with me on the team. So knowing that we were a family and being two years in, you know, once the ban hit, everyone was just shocked. They all checked in with me afterwards. They're like, is there anything I can do? How can we support you? You know, you're still one of us, whether if you can't compete at any of the competitions, like we still want you to be on the team. We still want you to practice with us and help out wherever you can. So it was interesting turning into or making that transition, you know, um, going from competing and being like an athlete to being more of a handler and a coach and working, working in the meets. So it was definitely different doing that kind of like standing back and being on the sidelines a little bit. Um, but that was kind of like in spring, figuring that out. And then fall, like it like starts hitting a little bit more. You're like, Oh, the band's still there. I still have to do this. But, you know, given that we're a family, um, I've definitely loved it. I ended up taking some time off the team just to figure out what I wanted to do. Cause it kind of, at least for me, the motivation when you're thinking of, if you can't compete, 
I had a moment where like if I can't compete, I can't. I'm, why am I lifting? Right, right. Sometimes you're, that's the goal tough. you're working towards. So yeah, looking at the programs, you're know, like, well, there's not a goal. There's not a personal best. Then you start looking at gym best versus comp bests. So that's what I was looking at. Um, and then eventually it made more sense that I can be a handler and then more and more people. So then I started being like looking at the jobs we have since it's a student run team, I became like the new members chair. So I was that outreach person. So if anyone wanted to join the team, um, it was nice because I can like reassure people if they felt that they were, you know, cause a lot of things in fitness, there's always these standards that people have to go by. Um, so it's more just encouraging people, you know, you can be big, small, big, like small, tall, whatever, um, different races, different gender identities really didn't matter. And I remember that it helped a lot of people. So I definitely figuring out or reshaping what I do on the team so that I can stay there and enjoy it. So you mentioned a little bit of your reaction to the powerlifting ban. And so that happened uh, a, almost exactly a year ago, right? Or a little right. a little less than a year ago. Um, you were competing before then. Um, mm-hmm. Could you talk about, like, I don't know, maybe even your competitions before then and the energy within the organization, your maybe even immediate reaction to the ban. I mean, yeah, you've mentioned your position on the team has changed, but sort of like even more feelings on that. I'd love to hear just, yeah, how it's affected you. Yeah, so I think with powerlifting before the ban and just going to competitions, like my team is all about improvement. And they don't necessarily see your totals. I mean, yeah, totals matter if you're trying to qualify and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we see our team, they're like, you're putting in the work and we're seeing improvement, right? They're not like you're making your PRs, you know, you're only competing with yourself. And that was like one of the biggest things that I had to start learning because I'm always looking at all these other men and I'm like, these are cis men. Why am I comparing myself to them? But (laughs) it was just always tough. And I remember at least I had them to fall back on as like my support whenever we went to competitions because as much as it was affirming and going into the men's category and stuff like that, but there was always these people out in the audience. I remember my first competition, there was actually, I'm going to assume she was a mom. That was just kind of like the age that she was going, like that you can tell. And she, one of the things she wanted to just, come back at me about was that I wasn't lifting enough weight and it was my very first competition like you know you don't really know your maxes yet um so I remember my competition I think I was I was deadlifting a little over 200 just because I was like this little freshman that didn't know what was going on I was anxious and she was like why is he not lifting as much as the others and I immediately know like one of the people on the exec board, I think she was the secretary at the time, like she just clapped back real quick. She's like, well, you could go lift the weight. Are you going to lift the weight on the bar? Yeah. Like, you know, like this is his first time, like just cut him some slack and stuff like that. And it was just amazing to know that my team had my back right away. And like, I didn't even know someone said that until after the competition. And so it's nice to know that my team kind of like shielded me from that, defended me all without me knowing and to know that they have my back, whether 
I was there or not is a good feeling. Um, there was just various ones. Like I know I went to, that was our small team competition. And then I went to like a bigger one. We traveled like across Pennsylvania and I went to one and that's where I was deadlifting my, my max. Like I ever hit in a competition. Cause it was like my third and final one. Um, before the band that's why it's my final one but i really didn't want it to be but i deadlifted 330 pounds it was my ultimate best goal because my previous one was 315 and i was trying i was pushing like i was doing everything i got my white lights which is great but i can one thing i noticed on the live stream that was going on is that I noticed with everyone's lifts, everyone was engaged. Like the audience was right. engaged in everybody's lifts. Everyone was amazed. And then when I went, you could just see everyone was on their phones. No one was paying attention. It was just wow. like, yeah. And it was pretty hurtful seeing it after the fact, because I know sometimes when you competition, you just get in the zone and you're not even focusing on the audience at this point. And there was my team cheering me on my handler who was, uh, was also on the team and so it was just tough having that and just seeing it after the fact a lot of the times and I ended up getting second place by like my weight category which was amazing you know but a lot of people a lot of people saw the gap between how much the person in first place um, their total was versus how much my total was there was a lot of comparisons there were just like Oh, he's more man than you. There was always these things. And I know that even the director of the meet um, just kind of gave me weird looks or stuff like that. And it was just always tough and just to know that people were just always just assuming that I wasn't like male enough or that I was weak and stuff like that. And it was always tough because, you know, it definitely, definitely hits hard because, you know, you're trying – Especially as trans, you're trying so hard to affirm yourself that you you belong in a certain place. So it was always tough. And then when the band hit, it just kind of all broke down where it was just like you finally feel like you had a team. And now you finally felt something you love, finally found a team you love, finally found somebody that cares about you. And then you just can't do it anymore, or at least right. to the capacity you were doing it before. And I remember just hearing about that. I called my dad and then he was just like, is it Trump? Like, is it like because of what was going on right, like it's right. because of who's in office? Like what's going on now? And the thing is, when people tell me I can't do something, I want to do it. So it's always, always tough and know that I'm not going to back down even if I can't compete. I'm still going to be at the competitions with my trans flag and stuff like that. So. Well, and it's hard because your college team is already affiliated with uh, U.S. Powerlifting. That there are other organizations out there, but mm -hmm. since your college is already affiliated, there's like no changing that. Yeah, it's in the contract so that going on the team, you have to compete with the USAPL. So it's definitely, definitely tough. Um, and I saw getting together with a group of other trans lifters and lawyers yeah. could you talk a little bit about that is that still ongoing or after they're like um there was some other decision over the summer where they were like yeah we're upholding this mm -hmm. did did morale go down or or what what has sort of been the timeline i guess I so know. you probably won't 
have you heard of JC Cooper? Of course. So, yeah. So I actually met with her and we kind of connected once we, once everything was going on, um, just before, cause we were just trying to, it wasn't, it was before the band. We were honestly just trying to get trans powerlifters together, just try to create a community yeah. um, and just find each other. And that's how we found each other through just social media. And eventually when the band hit, that's when we like got together. We're like, okay, let's do this. And she found a, um, a lawyer and stuff like that. And it was also like someone else who was doing queer fitness. who also does the women's strength coalition. Um, the co-director, she was working with JC and they were working together and Ray was also a lawyer as her job. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they were working together and they had me on it and we were just talking because JC knew from a different perspective and an older perspective and I knew it from the collegiate perspective. Right, right. And so it was mainly trying to get a little bit on both sides and be like, hey, this is what's, this is affecting your older competitors that aren't necessarily affiliated with a team or like a college. And this is where you're affecting the college athletes that do this to get them through college. Like right. not necessarily through scholarships, but like, something fun to do like this is is a hobby and you're affecting it all around and so they definitely had my words and we worked on statements and things that we wanted to be said because I knew if I couldn't be there JC wanted to know what I would have said so we definitely had long talks just trying to figure that out and then once the ban happened um, JC was honestly going to try to have me bring flyers and stuff to the collegiate Nats in, in Ohio. So we were trying to coordinate all of that. And then I realized that, you know, instead of, I had to find the balance between, okay, am I going to sit there with flyers and posters or am I going to be there and support my team? Right. So I was trying to do a little bit of both and I was like, I'm going to share this. And then I asked my team to share that out. And so try to see how far that could go and just talk about it more. Yeah. And then that's when my friend, I didn't even know my friend was going to wear the trans socks. Like, and then that kind of just snowballed into more support and more um, advocacy and stuff like that. And so that's probably my last post and not being on social media. That's just a different story. That's just (laughs) other life reasons. Oh, of course, of course. Um, but yeah, that's where that happened and we're still we're still working on it. I'm still in contact with JC and we will see if there's going to be a change in the future. Good, good. On a brighter note, what has been your best moment powerlifting? Yeah. Career high. Best moment powerlifting. Um There's been a few. I'd probably say when it was my last competition and I knew like one getting second place in like the men's category and definitely seeing that there was like a live stream. It was like the biggest thing. Cause before never had a live stream, never right. had whatever, but it was just amazing to have those PRs. And I had like my handler who graduated from Penn state probably like the year before and 
I asked if she could do one. She was like absolutely honored to be like a handler that day. And so we did that. And I remember just hitting these numbers and, um, it was really nice. And JC was actually following the live stream at work. Oh, that's cool. And so she would take a photo or take selfies and send me those. She's like, you're going to do the, what's your next, what's your next number you're going to hit and stuff like that. And knowing that I had that support in the room and outside of the room was definitely really nice. Um, because then more and more people were hearing about me or knowing about me and just what's that, what that was being like. And then after the competition, someone recognized me probably from social media or something. and was just like, are you AJ? Like, you know, I've always wanted to talk to you. And then we ended up like exchanging Instagrams and stuff like that. So it was just really cool in that aspect, um, as far as like an athlete, but then Another highlight was being a handler for one of my friends. And we did this thing where first one to deadlift 315 <laughs> was our goal. And I ended up having a competition a week before she did. And I was like, I have to get 315. And that's the one thing that like pushed me through because I'm very competitive. I can't lose when it came to that. Yeah. So I was like, I have to get the 315. So I did that, and then a week later, I was her handler, and then she hit the 315, and it was just absolutely amazing because we just motivated each other um, to hit our PRs. So that was really nice to see that as like far as like an athlete, but also see that as a handler means you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Can we talk about sports that you played as a, a child? You mentioned soccer and softball. What – what sort of was that journey? Like what ages were you playing things? Tell me more about what you were doing in those sports and yeah. your dad so, coaching or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So as a kid, it's like you always want to like fit in in some way or find some hobby, you know, and my biggest thing was sports. I don't know what it was. I remember my first toy as a kid was like a plush basketball was probably the biggest thing. And when I was younger, my dad was like, okay, let's, let's try sports. You know, we always shoot hoops in the backyard and stuff. Um, so I remember when I was five, we did basketball and then I absolutely loved it. And then I think growing up watching sports, my dad was like, okay, let's try it. Worst thing you don't like it. We try another sport, whatever. And I remember we did basketball for a little bit and then I tried out soccer and, uh, you know, I was a soccer goalie, um, but I was always that big kid. So I was like the center in basketball, the soccer goalie, and and then in softball, I did that. But since I had the footwork from basketball and soccer, I was like the big shortstop that yeah. you never hear about. <laughs> but it was just a way of bonding with my dad. And then he became the assistant coach. Well, he would just watch. And then he's like, you know, I'm here all the time. Like, why don't I just coach? So then he was assistant coach and then he became head coach. Um, so we started doing that in like the little leagues and I met a lot of my friends through that. Um, but I went to a predominantly white school. Like there was just, it was just always tough being like the kid that was like quote unquote different. And then middle school was kind of like, you know, puberty hits. I started figuring out who I was and then I realized I was trans, but, you know, couldn't start, you know, t testosterone or medically transitioning yet. 
it was just always something I always connected to. And then by sophomore year of high school, um, I went to the athletic director because I knew I just couldn't do girls sports anymore. I just knew it wasn't comfortable for me anymore. Um, so sophomore year, I decided I was going to play football. I don't know why my dumbass wanted to do that. <laughs> um, never played football in my life. Like I watched football, like yeah. I understood the game, I threw a football, but never played it. So it was interesting going sophomore year of high school and just going right on the team. But I had some support because I know my English teacher was actually one of the coaches. He was the running back and linebacker coach. And he also saw my size and he was like, you stick with me. Well, I'll teach you how to be running back and linebacker and we'll go from there. So that was cool. He kind of took me under his wing. I always had his support. But I never really had my team support because I remember sophomore year and junior year, it was always the guys. It was always just the locker room situation because I couldn't change in there. So it was always like I was always separate from the team at the beginning. And it always seemed like it was divided. And it was always like a quote-unquote wasn't man enough, big enough, strong enough, didn't know the game enough or whatever the case was. Um, but w learning how to tackle and you know, learning the basics and then staying committed to the team. I started learning plays and started getting it down. And then eventually my coach just threw me in. And next thing you know, I recovered a fumble was my first play. And it kind of started proving the point that like, hey, I deserve to be here um, regardless of what I look like or who I am and whatever. So that was one thing. And my coach kept telling me, he's like, don't worry about what they say or what other people or what other teams say. Once you throw the jersey and helmet on, they won't even know what's hitting them. So I think that was – it was interesting wording, but it was definitely like understanding like, okay, you know, I'm just the team. Right. And then finally finding that and eventually by my senior year, it all made sense. It all seemed like I belonged on the team. But then I was graduating. So what did that mean? And going to a big school, I am not D1 football material right. at all. So then I saw powerlifting and told them that I'm trans and everything else. And they're like, you're going to be the first transgender powerlifter at Penn State. Um, just letting you know, <laughs> which is cool because they were all open with me about it. And I haven't really looked back, you know, and just powerlifting has been, been the thing for me. Do you think being trans like changes your fitness goals? I know you've, you know, been with sports your entire life basically, but do you think since transitioning that you've put different expectations on yourself or you're looking for something different? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, just growing up I've always compared myself to people. I think that's just human nature. Like you just there's always this competitive part. And then transitioning, I for me, I was like, oh, I have this testosterone in my body. I can do all these things. But then I was compared myself to cis men. And I was like, I realized at a certain point I couldn't keep doing that because I'm like, I'm not this man that had testosterone in his body since the day he was born. <laughs> like, you know, so it's definitely realizing that and realizing that my PRs are my personal PRs. Like, those are AJ's PRs. Right. And my bench is my least my least like favorite lift i suck at it but i can put some weight on the bar and i'm happy about that 
and I'm happy that I keep improving, you know, and keep hitting PRs. Like it hasn't really stalled, which is nice. But then you have those guys that throw 225 on the on the bar as a warm up, and I'm like, mm, I can't do that. Yeah. And so it's kind of discouraging a little bit. But then I realize like where I started and start. And sometimes you're just like, I got to the gym today, you know, and that's like your biggest concern. So sometimes it's finding those little victories for me. Whereas a lot of people are just like, Oh, I just deadlifted 500 pounds. And I'm like, okay, great. My biggest, my best is three thirty, And so it was definitely tough. And some competitions, um, you'll see people warming up at like three fifteen with like reps of like three. And I'm over here like, mm, I did that for one, like my last competition. And so it was definitely tough trying to see who you're going to warm up with. Um, but once we have our like practice times, like at least at Penn state, you know, I have my friends that support me and then they'll ask you what you want on the bar and you just kind of, you find your friends and who's similar weight. Um, totals rather than like the classes you're in like the weight classes so it's definitely just navigating that and knowing that i'm have to compare myself to myself and not anybody else so it's definitely tough doing that are you still a member of out in science technology math like engineering math yeah Yeah. ostem yeah so yeah so ostem is this big nonprofit organization for like lgbt people in stem fields whether that's in college or you're a professional. And I'm definitely still part of it. So we have our little school chapters. So I'm um, actually my, the vice president for my school chapter. Awesome. And then I've been involved with the organization as a whole as like a social coordinator and associate director. So it's really cool. I'm doing a lot of stuff in their diversity and inclusion department. Um, so it's definitely nice for sure. That's really cool. Thank you for answering all of these questions. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Follow the Queer Fitness Podcast on Instagram at Queer Fitness Pod. Follow AJ on Instagram at AJB917. To learn more about OSTEM, go to OSTEM.org. <laughs>